Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates. Interviews co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your moderator, Diane Martin-Liebert, and today I will be speaking with the candidates for Madison Common Council District Number 1, Matt Brink and Barbara McKinney. To begin, each candidate will have three minutes to give an opening statement, which answers the following question. What educational, vocational, or civic experience do you have which qualifies you for this office, and why are you running for the Madison Common Council? All right. Well, thank you for having me again here today. Um, so as far as why I'm running, there's kind of a lot to that. Um, I'm from Madison. I was born and raised in Madison. Uh, I've lived on the west side uh, my whole life. Um, the only time I've been away from Madison is when I went to college at UW-Eau Claire, I received my degrees in finance and accounting up there and then came back to Madison and started the business uh, with my father called the Brink Lounge. So within that time, and especially living in District 1 for the last 10 years as I have, um, I've been able to see uh, the change that has kind of slowly um, come in, into reality. And one of the main premises that I've seen or the main changes that I've seen is, is that in relation to crime. Uh, there's been a pretty vast uptick in crime, especially the perception of crime in my district. Uh, my wife and I experienced that firsthand a couple months ago. Uh, there was a weekend where there were 10 gun-related incidents within our district. Uh, we heard gunshots on a Friday night, and then a Saturday night uh, they occurred right outside of our home. Uh, there was a house two cul-de-sacs down that was hit with rounds. Um, I, I know both those neighbors because um, I'm on the homeowners association of I'm on the board of my homeowners association in my neighborhood, so I've come to know everybody well. And that incident is kind of one of the main ones that brought everything home in terms of how the district is changing and was kind of my main compelling point is wanting to do as much um, as I can. Taking that into my education experience, um, running a small business here in Madison, uh, I've had the privilege of interacting with a lot of the different elements of Madison's population. And that's because at the Brink Lounge, we do a lot of different events and we host a lot of different fundraisers and things of that nature. So I feel very comfortable in dealing with a broad uh, range of people and perspectives and ideas um, as a result of my time running the Brink Lounge. So uh, then bringing in my finance and accounting degrees, I feel very comfortable in dealing with any budgetary issues or finance or talking about TIF or certain other uh, complicated elements in relation to, to running the city. So I believe in terms of my small business experience, my finance and accounting education, and just my um, experience living in Madison for my whole life, I have a well-rounded uh, education and experience base to, to bring to the, the seat of Alder. Thank you and good evening. Um, my name is Barbara McKinney and I'm running for Alder of District 1. My educational background uh, as a special education teacher, uh, my background in public policy analysis, and also my background as a business owner. I have an MBA. But more specifically, I am running for Alder because I've lived in Madison for over 20 years. And I went back, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I went back to St. Louis and when all of the uproar about Ferguson, Missouri was happening. And I went to Ferguson and I looked at the place 
place where Michael Brown was killed. And what I realized is, is that the apartment building right behind that site was an apartment building that I lived in with my young son. And what I, I also realized is, is that I was able to move out of that community because of support from family. I was able to go back to school and acquire three degrees, but more importantly, I was able to move my son out of that neighborhood as well. And so when I came back to Madison, I realized that I was sitting very, very comfortably. I love my home. I love my community. I love my neighbors, but I was just moved to the core that that was not enough. On the southwest side, I see it as a tale of two cities. I see it widely divided, and I did. I don't think it has to be that way. And I thought that my stepping in and being able to work in both of those communities would bring people together, and that's a strong uh, a need in our community, especially on the southwest side, because it's really growing and developing, and it's um, almost the fifth, if it were by city, it would be the fifth largest in uh in the um, the state, so the need is to have someone who's able to be very comfortable in working in within the two extremes. Now each candidate will have two minutes to respond to the remaining questions. What one issue involving your district resident needs do you want to be particularly advocate for, and what will you propose as a solution or solutions? As I go out um, knocking on doors, the very first door that I knocked on, um, a woman said that I'm a Republican. And I said, well, this is a nonpartisan race. And um, she said, I asked her, what are your concerns? What keep you keep you up at night? And she said that I'm concerned uh, about the violence in my neighborhood. And she said, I'm a single woman, and that concerns me. I'm concerned that there are no activities for uh, young people. And with the recent events of last weekend, with the shootings, that has risen up to the top. The need to have an anchor, the community center is going to be key in that neighborhood. And I say it's going to be key because um, the solution of putting more police in the street will not resolve the issues of violence and uh, public policy and public safety. It is really going into the communities and anchoring that with the community center. So as I went and knocked on doors, people were asking, what is that community center going to be? And as an alder, that is going to rise up to the top. And so it is very, very important that that community center at the old Griff's restaurant, that we really look at programming in the community. We look at program that will strengthen the community. And we will also be looking at um, uh, community partners to become involved in that issue. Well, the, the main one, and I kind of touched on it in my opening, is, is the crime and, and how it's really come into play in District 1. So in times of getting into this point in the Aldership race, I wanted to find out exactly what I could do as an alder. So I sat down with Captain Wall of the West Side District, and he had some pretty compelling information to provide for me. Uh, the West Side Police District uh, encompasses seven aldermanic districts. Um, there's roughly 80 to 85,000 people that live within that 24-square-mile radius. That's equivalent to the fifth largest city in the state, which I was very surprised to learn. And within that, I believe that that district can use more uh, resources uh, from the police perspective. 
because at a peak time, say Friday or Saturday night, there are at maximum 11 patrol officers available for that 80,000 people. Um, coming back to the incident I mentioned in the opening to where there were gunshots, there was a, a pretty good lag time in terms of the response of the police to get there. And that's no fault of their own. They're just very stretched thin, especially if um, major events are occurring downtown. So I believe the West District needs more resources. So I asked them specifically what can an alder do in that instance. And the way it would work is the captain makes his recommendations to the chief as far as what he needs as resources and where they need to you know, change things or bring more resources into the district. And then that is submitted to the mayor. And then the alder can make specific budget amendment requests in the event that the captain or the chief feels that is required. So in constant communication or being in communication with the captain throughout my hopeful tenure as alder will be very important to the job and keeping that communication line open and um, doing anything I can as an alder to make uh, amendment requests if needed. Dane County Executive Joe Parisi has come out with specific measures to work on intertwined issues of poverty and racial disparities. What do you see as the role for the City Council on these issues, and what specific measures do you support to assist in this regard? Do you have other ideas for the City to deal with these problems? Well, one of the main things that I liked of what Parisi said was he, he touched on how the driver's license is one of the um, main barriers to uh, employment for a solid job. And when I was in school, we had driver's education for free through the school. And a lot of times now that is not the case. And if there's low-income families that have to pay for driver's education, which can be several hundred dollars, that's a very difficult uh, distinction to make in terms of paying bills or whatever else you have to pay and then driver's education. So I think it's very important that the city takes any initiatives possible or the county to make driver's license as available as possible. That should not be a barrier to entry in, into the employment force. In my district specifically, uh, we're going to have a community center that is now on the docket, and the mayor has called to make that a training site for individuals of 16 to 30 years old, potentially in the trades or something of that nature. So having family-supporting jobs is, is critical to changing the kind of the paradigm that, that the West District is in now. And so I would support, again, anything related to getting a driver's license um, as easily as possible and as affordable as possible, um, as well as making the community center uh, an educational uh, center for the uh, constituents of District 1 and the immediate surrounding neighborhoods. Thank you very much for that question. There has been much discussion uh, around many tables about racial disparities. It is uh, something that will not go away, and that discussion has been going on for a number of years. I sit on a, it's called a Delegation on Poverty, and it is an initiative sponsored by the United Way really looking at issues of poverty. And we've been looking at poverty in terms of employment. We've been looking at uh, poverty in, in terms of housing. Um, there is a need to have affordable housing. Um, the fact that a two-bedroom apartment is over $1,000, and when you're looking at minimum wage and when you're looking at the cost of living, um, it's very difficult for low-income individuals to find affordable housing in our community. So looking at the initiatives that will bring in uh, and increase affordable housing stock is very, very crucial. Looking at initiatives that will be looking at underemployment and unemployment will be very, very critical as well. And so as a new person on the block, those are the initiatives that I hope that I would be able to, to give some, some vision to. How are you prepared? 
preparing to be a part of the council grappling with the ramifications for the city of the governor's budget proposals, assuming much of it will be passed by the state legislature. What I've been doing is I've been poring over the minutes and the actions of the Common Council over the last two years as a foundational base. Um, it is very important as a new alder to go in and have a foundational base to really understand what they're grappling with. And so going back and looking at the minutes, going back and looking at the actions, going back and really understanding what the budget pieces are, very, very critical. That's just basic that uh, we will need to do. Um, I work at Madison Area Urban Ministry. I'm the associate director there, and I supervise a program for men and women who are returning to the community from uh, a period of incarceration. And it is very, very clear that uh, working for a nonprofit, there is a need to have more resources in the community. So all of that is wrapped into ultimately the many cuts that are going on. And so to have that foundation, and I, as a new alder, uh, going in and, and uh uh, looking at those foundations, really understanding what the Common Council has already done so that as I'm representing my district, I will know how my district fits in because it's not about uh, what Barbara McKinney wants. It's really about listening to what the uh, the constituents want and how that fits into the overall plan of the Common Council and to make sure that uh, uh, we're getting good, solid representation. Well, it's, it's going to be, you know, quite a challenge uh, to find what's going to be cut, how you're going to deal with any budget cuts or constraints. Um, what I rely on from the educational perspective is my finance and accounting degrees. Um, I feel confident in my ability to either deal with the Board of Estimates or whatever sort of um, overseeing budgetary body uh, that, would be have to con that would have to be consulted with in terms of stating these are our revenues now, this is what's going to be cut, what do we do, and then it's all about communication areas or elements or neighborhoods or whatever it might be that are going to be affected, they have to be told what's going to occur so they're not surprised by it later. And making sure that that transition is, I guess, as seamless as possible, if that is even possible. But it's, one, you have to understand what you're looking at as far as numbers go and feel confident in that and then be able to express what the results are. And, and I feel um, confident that I can do that. Neighborhoods of your district are not in the area where development issues are often focused. How do you prioritize developments such as the Judge uh, Doyle Square, the public market, and the Garber Feed Mill, and how do you see yourself representing your district in the discussion and votes on these developments? Well, as you said, there's not a lot of development in District 1, but some of these, especially the Judge Doyle Square, if, if TIF is requested, that kind of brings everyone in the city involved. So when the, the Edgewater is going through and doing the, the doors that I'm doing now with, with the residents, TIF is kind of a complicated thing. It's, it's viewed by some as giving money to the rich guy, or some people just might not understand exactly what it is, and, and we know that's, that's not the case. I believe TIF, when used responsibly, is one of the strongest economic tools that the city has to spur development. So, one, the alder's ultimate responsibility on the front end is to his or her um, Aldermanic district. So you have to talk to your residents, see what they want. Do they support this? Do they not? If they don't support it, you have to take that message to the council. Now, it's also the alder's job to view the broad perspective of how it um, intertwines with the city. If I feel that it, it's going to be best to use TIF 
but the broad consensus of the older district is to not, then again, it's all about communication, making sure everyone understands what TIF is for, how it's used, how it freezes the, the property tax base, the increment is used to pay off the loan, and then, again, it's not putting money into the rich developer's hand, per se. It's making the project more feasible, which will ultimately increase the tax base, hopefully make more funds available for um, jobs or initiatives that they are passionate about. So, again, it's about communication and understanding the role from the district and then the city as a whole. Well, it's very clear the biggest contributor to poverty is unemployment and underemployment. Um, and that is a focus. And even uh, my district is exploding in population. And so as we look at these initiatives, um, we're really looking at the quality of life for uh, all of the constituencies. constituents. It is very, very important to really understand how the interconnection of those developments will play out not only locally in the city, but also how it would span, how it would uh, also spread out in our district um, and District 1. So it, uh, when you're talking about prioritizing, again, I will go back to that basic learning exactly what what the, the issues are, learning exactly what the plan is, looking at that plan over a three-year, five-year period. And so it's not what the development is doing now, is how will it add to the common expansion of a quality of life for everyone. And so it is important to look at budget spending and to do smart growth, smart spending. So all of that would be really important in order to make some uh, decisions about prioritizing. Which one or two policy issues do you see yourself have, uh, either having or gaining deeper knowledge about, and why will this focus be a benefit to your district residents? I would have to say um, the lens of uh, racial disparities. And I say that specifically because I mentioned earlier that my district really is a tale of two cities. My district is, is a, a wide span, and in the Elver Park, there is low income, and then the very fluent on the very other end of Hawks Landing. And so it is really important that those two entities feel a sense of responsibility and accountability for what happens in our district. Bringing those uh, uh, two extremes together is very, very important. So initiatives that will support and elevate the low-income individuals so that they can be sustainable. That's on this end of the district. And also um, assuring that the individuals that are on the other end of the district take a responsibility as well. And so it's a value system. We're finding that we're more like than separate. As I talk with people at the doors, they're really concerned about the quality of life for their families. They're looking at their schools and they're looking at all of those entities. And so my job as an alder is to bring those factions together at a table where their fear does not separate them so they can work collaboratively in saying, how do we want the future of our district to look? That's a really critical question. As long when we began to come together and define how we want our district to look collectively and going into the chamber and making sure that the decisions that's made and the common council are decisions that will support 
the growth and expansion of District 1? Well, I think one of the, the main policies that I would like to get involved in in any way can would be uh, the day shelter that is trying to be found somewhere in Madison. I mean, this is such a, a critical issue. It's unfortunate that we haven't had been able to find the, the proper solution to this point. Um, homelessness is not overly pervasive in my district, but it's everywhere in the city, and you have to be supportive of that. We have to help end homelessness in any way that we can, but you have that that fiscal constraint as well. How do we do this? How do we pay for the day centers? How is how is that middle point met? So I, I think that's something that just overall for the city is, is essential and something that I would take great pride in being a part of. Um, and then again, communicating to, to the constituents how it can help the city as a whole and then the residents of District 1. At this time, each candidate will have one minute for a closing statement. Again, my name is Matt Brink and I'm running for Alder in District 1. Um, I believe that I can represent uh, the district very well because I am very comfortable in dealing with a, a broad range of, of people, ideas, and interests. Um, I'm very pleased to announce that I have endorsements both from the business development side and the business community, such as DMI, the Chamber of Commerce, Madison Air Builders Association, um, as well as on the labor side um, with the Building and Trades Coalition, um, as well as the South Central Federation of Labor. So I believe those broad ranges of endorsements shows that I, I have the ability to reach across a broad range of, again, beliefs and perspectives and try to find that common ground, which I believe is very essential for and other to do. So hopefully you vote for me on April 7th. Thank you. Uh, just let me just take a deep breath and say I love my community. I love my neighbors. My neighbor comes and he shovels my, sto- my, my the snow and I'm very comfortable where I am. And I say that because I've really seen the best of Madison in its most generousness. And I've also been in rooms where families and struggling mothers says, say that Madison has not been kind to me. And so when I look at those two extremes, um, the older um, that is in the first district must be really comfortable in going into neighborhoods that are affluent as well as going into those neighborhoods that are struggling. And so it is a tale of two cities. And um, I see myself as being very comfortable in both of those communities and asking what is the need and where do you want to go and how can we build that together. As an alder of the 1st District, my goal is to, one, hold listening sessions. In the first 90 days, I will hold two listening sessions. I will also uh, continue to support community policing as well. Unfortunately, we are now out of time. I'd like to thank the viewers for watching and remind everyone that Election Day is Tuesday, April 7th. Please vote. If you would like more information about voting procedures or obtaining a copy of the League's Candidates Answers publication, please call our office at 232-9447 or visit our website at lwvdanecounty.org. On behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you.